Amen. Should be awake now. That was good worship, amen. It's about time we start getting like that. I always used to say, you know, we need some more, um, don't please take this the wrong way, we need some more black Pentecostals in this church. But actually, we're doing all right now, I think, because, you know, they know how to have a good time. We need to, like, you know, let rip. But uh, we're getting there slowly but surely. So that was good worship. Thanks, Zach. That was great. Okay. So today we're going to celebrate Resurrection Day. Amen. This is like a really, really important day. And uh, the Bible doesn't tell us that we should celebrate Resurrection Day. There's nothing in there saying you should mandate it and do it. But I think it's a good thing to do. Amen. Because it's constantly reminding us of what he did and, uh, and our future inheritance as well. So obviously I'm just going to start with a, a little bit of a preamble. Now I just need to say that today there'll be some things that some people won't understand what I'm going on about. There'll be others that do. But everybody today should get something they don't know what I'm talking about. Just to confuse you. In other words, everyone will get something they'll understand and everybody will be like, what's he on about? So don't worry about it, okay? Uh, there'll be bits for everybody, whether you believe believer, not believer, a fresh believer or an old believer. There'll be something here for you today. So we don't really know actually what day Jesus died on. We, they, 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 traditionally they say it's Good Friday, but actually if it's really going to be three days and three nights, it kind of has to be on a Thursday. But the Bible doesn't really say, but we do know that the scriptures tell us that Jesus rose on the first day of the week. It says that in the Gospels. We know that the first day of the week is a Sunday, right? Now, thanks Joe. Interestingly, does anyone know what day creation began on? That's a really weird question, isn't it? It began on a Sunday, okay? Now, why is this important? And what's this got to do with anything? Because you see, like I said, I'm going to say some stuff that's going to go straight over some of your heads. Like, what's what's this all about? Uh, We'll get to Resurrection Sunday in just a minute. But Sunday became known as the Lord's Day. And also Sunday became known as the eighth day of the week. So let me explain something. So take a musical scale, right? So the key of C, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. Okay, now there are seven notes in a scale. I just did eight there, but there's seven notes in a scale. But to get to an octave, you start on C and you end on C, but the C that you end on is a higher pitch than the one you started with. Why is all this important? Because creation began on a Sunday, but then, Thousands of years later, Jesus rose again on a Sunday, which became known as new creation. It's the day when Jesus gave birth to the new creation that didn't exist before. What was it that didn't exist before? Those who are in Christ Jesus. They are, it says in the, in the scriptures that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. In other words, you've never seen anything like it before. So what God did in the beginning had not been, was not there in the beginning. It only came through Christ. And when Christ resurrected on that Sunday, then came the new life, the new creation. Yeah? And then, just to confuse you even more, as creation began in year one, if you like, on a Sunday, so when we get to the, the seventh thousandth year, which is the Sabbath rest, then Jesus comes back for a thousand years and we have a thousand years of messianic peace upon the earth. Glory be to God. But then what happens when you get to the end of the 7,000th years? You come to the 8,000th year. A new heaven and a new earth is made. So a lot of people want to emphasize the 7th, but actually you need to emphasize the 7th day and the 8th day because you can't have the 7th without the 1st or the 8th. Amen? If you want to have your Sabbath rest, you must do it through being a new creation in Christ Jesus because Hebrews 4 says that there are many who still need to enter their Sabbath rest and they enter it through faith in Christ. Amen. All right. So that's your little preamble there, a little bit of revelation knowledge just to blow your minds and give you something to think about. Okay, so if you all want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. 
Yes, please. Because we need both days. We need, we need the Sabbath and we also need the new creation day as well, the Lord's Day. So 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to look at verses 12 to 19. So I'm just going to comment through it. 1 Corinthians 15. Okay. Cool. Right. So, you all, you all got that in your Bibles or in your PDFs and whatever it is that you got? Okay, so I'm going to look at, first of all, verses 12 to 13. And it says, Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. You see, this is a really important thing I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about the resurrection of the dead and the res- and <coughs> Resurrection Sunday. Because, you see, a lot of us emphasise the cross, the power of the cross. But the Bible teaches that the cross is invalid without the resurrection. What gives the cross its power is the resurrection. You go, where's that in the Bible? Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. So if there is no resurrection from the dead, then the cross is meaningless. Yeah? And we've got to be careful as Christians that sometimes we have denominations that emphasize certain parts. So as, a, as some denominations are great at bringing people to the cross and the brutality of the cross, but they leave them there. Actually, we come from the cross into the resurrection. It's the resurrection that gives us victory over sin, gives us victory over the devil. It's the resurrection that gives us life. It's the resurrection that can free us from all of those things that lock us up and bind us. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Do I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Good. Right. So this whole idea of resurrection of the dead is a big deal. Now, a lot of Christians, I'm not picking holes, I'm just saying, we focus a lot on the rapture, but actually the big event isn't the rapture, it is the resurrection of the dead. We'll look at a few scriptures just to show this. So first, if you turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 1 to 2. It says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings, as in the basic stuff, about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God or instructions about washings, laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So resurrection of the dead was always, always been a major doctrine in the early church and in the Old Testament. Now, if we look at our famous rapture scripture, which is in 1 Thessalonians 4, I'm not saying there isn't going to be one, but I'm just saying it's not the big event that everyone thinks it is. Hello, what's your name? Can I have one? No? All right, okay, fine. So uh, where are we going to look from? Verse 13 to 18. It says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. Now, it's, it's not like on a Sunday when people fall asleep. It's talking about people that are asleep in death, okay? So about those who are asleep. So that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. So when Jesus returns, he's going to bring up all those that have fallen asleep with him because they've gone to glory. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain, okay, until the coming of the Lord will not precede or go before those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
not the, not the Christians get taken away. The dead in Christ will raise first. So, you know, we've seen all the left behind movies where people just like, they just disappear and their tracksuit bottoms are on the floor and stuff. People won't be noticing that because they'll be too busy looking at all these corpses coming out of the ground, being resurrected to new life. Billions of them. And them going up into the sky. That's what will get people's attention. Not the geezer in a tracksuit that's just left his tracksuit bottoms on the floor. And it says, then we who are alive and remain, as in that which is left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So the big event that comes first is not the rapture, but the resurrection of the dead. And then that those that are left still alive after the resurrection of the dead, then those ones get taken up to glory. Hallelujah. So if you're lucky enough to see all that, you'll be sucked up within seconds after all the other guys. Hallelujah. Beam me up, Scotty. Um, So now we turn to um, Daniel. And this is from chapter 12. This is, the thing is, these, these teachings all come from Old Testament sources. They're, this is where the whole doctrine of the resurrection of the dead comes from. And verses 2 to 3 says in chapter 12, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, those to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. See, there are two resurrections. Blessed are those in the first resurrection. This is in, uh, in Revelation. Uh, so when Jesus returns, you have the first resurrection. And at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ, then is the second resurrection. And those that get raised in those days, it's not good. Okay? They get raised up so that they get thrown alive into the lake of fire. It says, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven or the stars. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Hallelujah. Can I reach? Can I, can I get there? Can I get there? Yeah, just got enough cable. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and he who believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life and he will raise you up on the last day. Okay, the last day. When is the last day? Revelation 19, when Jesus returns, the final trumpet blast, then comes the first resurrection of the dead. That's when it happens. Hallelujah. It's all pretty simple. It's all in your Bible. Right, we go to verses now back to Thessal... Uh, where were we? Um... Corinthians 15 and uh, we've just got to work our way through here now so 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 14 to 16 it says and if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain moreover we who are even found to be moreover we are found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he didn't raise if in fact the dead are not raised. His argument is, if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Christianity is a joke. It is a dead, pointless, invalid religion. That's what Paul is saying. Now I've, I've seen some Christians are like, well, you know, to, to kind of fudge the miraculous side of God, well, you know, it doesn't really matter whether Jesus raised again or not. What matters is, is that he was a good man and he died on the cross for our sins. No, Paul is emphatic. If there's no resurrection, then we are, of all people, the most to be pitied. Because we're living this life thinking we're expecting something, but you ain't going to get it because Christ never rose from the dead. But the good news is is that he did rise again from the dead, which is a hope that we too shall rise again from the dead one day. And I tell you something now, brothers and sisters, when you rise from the dead, you're going to look good. Hallelujah, glory be to God. And you're going to look your finest. Absolute fine. You'll be there, they'll have wind machines and everything, so when you come out of the grave, you'll just be like this, with your hair blowing in the wind and stuff. I'll be going... I'll even, I'll even have a cape on as well, you know, just so it looks really cool. No, I will. I will. I'll have a cape on, right? You wait. You, you keep, an eye, keep an eye out for me. I'll be there with my cape. Where's... Where, sorry? 
cape of zeal. That's it, I'll have my cape of zeal on. <laughs> so, without the resurrection, the cross is invalid, which it says in verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. This is why Resurrection Sunday is so important. This is why we must commemorate this day. This is what gives power to our Christianity. Hallelujah. It is the resurrection that gives the cross its power. Hallelujah. It's the resurrection that turned the, the cross, which was the tree of death, into the tree of life. This is a parallel of what went on in the Garden of Eden a long time before. Without the resurrection, there's no forgiveness of sins. Without the resurrection, there's no reconciliation to God. There are no children of God. There can be no peace and joy with God. The cross is invalid. The power of Satan is not broken. The Satan, and Satan remains the Lord of this earth. But with the resurrection, there is forgiveness of sins. There is reconciliation to God. We are the children of God. There is peace between God and man. The cross is not invalid, but powerful. And the power of Satan is broken. And Satan is no longer God of this earth. Jesus is ruling and reigning. And he has all the keys in heaven and on earth. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Who's that? <laughs> so from the resurrection came the new birth, the new order, and the new creation. So 2 Corinthians 5.17. Do we have a scripture for that? Oh, here it comes. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now that word for creation in the Greek uh, can also be translated as a new creature or a new species, a new class of being that didn't exist before. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, when we give our lives to Jesus, then this is something that a lot of Christians don't understand. When you give your lives to Jesus, the old you was crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. So all of your issues, all of your baggage, everything that we have when we came to the cross is crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. And so now we become a new creation, a new creature, and we become in his image. Hallelujah. We, as it says, I think it's in Colossians, it says, we have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Hallelujah. So we have this new life. And it is this new life that we need to learn to apply to our life. Because you see, many of us can sit at the cross, but don't live in the power of the resurrection. Okay. Now, as Christians, we always need to look back to the cross, but we also need to daily live in the life and the power of the resurrected life. So come with me to Romans chapter 6. And verses 4 to 6. It says, Therefore... We have been buried with him through baptism. This is why baptism is so important to us as Christians. Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. If you are battling with sin in your life, you need to know that you don't need to battle with it anymore. You know, well, that's, that's a stupid thing to say. Chris, surely I'm battling with it. You can't tell me I don't need to battle with it. Because as I said a few weeks ago, the righteous live by faith. What we need to do is stop trying to do it in our own strength 
because you're going to fail. I don't mean to be rude, but it's just true. I've been there, I've done it, and it doesn't work. You know, when you're trying to control your thought life and it's not working, you just simply have to just come to, the, come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't do this by myself. I have no power in myself to live this righteous life, to, to, to do these things. But you've come said that you would come to set the captives free. And I'm being held captive in slavery to these sins. So, Lord, I pray that your word says I am dead to sin. Help me become alive to you in Christ Jesus. And if you come at God from that angle, he will start to change you and transform you and renew you and transfigure you from one degree of glory to another. I'm not preaching like some old Pentecostal doctrine because that's just what we believe. I'm preaching to you the truth because I know it's true. And I've seen it true in my own life. I've seen it true in other people's lives. People that have taken the word of God and they've applied it to their lives and have broken through and have set themselves free because God is a powerful, wonder-working, miraculous God. Hallelujah. Um, who was that? <laughs> now, some, some of you here today might go, well, you know, Jesus Christ raising for the dead, that's, that's nonsense. How, how do you know that Jesus, you weren't there? Well, no, I wasn't there. But I can tell you something, and I'm sure most Christians in this room could all tell you something, that Jesus has made themselves real to them in a, in a certain way in their own lives. My story um, before I became a Christian is that I, I used to be, a, a, when I was about 16 and 17, I, I was a practicing witch. So I was heavily into witchcraft in a big way, not just messing about with it. I was seriously into it. Uh, you know, I had friends back then. Well, I wouldn't call them friends, but they said to me, you know, I was scary. I was so dark, so evil. I was scary. I remember one night after I got saved, I was walking up this street. It must be about 11 o'clock at night. I was going back home from somewhere. I think it was church. And, uh, and there was all these guys just lying out on the floor, all completely out of their heads on drugs. Okay. And, and one of them sort of like raised his head up. Is that you, Chris? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, man, what's happened to you? You used to be really dark and evil, but now you're all like shining and stuff. And these guys were completely stoneheads and they could see the power of Christ. They, didn't, they haven't seen me for years. That's because of the change that God had done in me. But anyway, one day I was, I was out doing something with witchcraft uh, in a local forest and, and this voice spoke to me. In, and when he spoke to me, several things were revealed to me in the moment that he spoke to me. One. It was Jesus. I had no religious upbringing, so it wasn't something at the back of my mind that psychology, psychologically, you know, I just kind of took the wrong cheese that day and something just came about in my head. Okay, he spoke to me and I knew that it was Jesus. The second thing I knew was he was God. Okay, there was no issue of like, well, Jesus isn't God, all that nonsense. No, I knew that he was God in an instant. That was the revelation that I got. And I knew that he was the creator of everything. They were the, the three primary things that I got when he introduced himself to me. And he said, stop what you're doing. Come to know me. You can be forgiven for this. And I, I didn't really understand what he was talking about. So I kind of ignored it. And a week later, again, I was doing something else with witchcraft. And again, he said the same things to me. And again, I didn't understand it. And a week later, I was doing something else to do with witchcraft. And this time, I was slapped hard across each side of my face. I didn't feel the pain of it, but the blow of it. And I was kind of startled, like, what, what is going on? And he shouted at me saying, stop what you're doing and come to know me. You can be forgiven for this. Now, when God shouts at you, yeah. you know you're in trouble. Who's that? He's behind you. There he is. Right. 
So I knew I was in trouble. And again, I still didn't understand what he meant. So a week later, because it always seems to be a week later, I knew a girl from school and she said to me, hey, Chris, bear in mind that I was like Prince of Darkness in those days. She said, hey, Chris, would you like to come along to church with me? I was like, why of me of all people? I said to her, you know what? Your Christian God keeps bothering me. So yeah, I'd like to go along to church, see on earth this is all about. And I went along to the church and uh, you know, it was okay. And I remember saying some prayer at the back out loud and the whole church went, who's that <laughs> at the back there, you know, Prince of Darkness at the back of the room. And, uh, and then afterwards they, they invited me to a youth group. And I was at this youth group. I remember all these Christians, these young Christians sat around. Now, because I was very sensitive to spiritual things, I could sense this massive force, which I now know as the person of the Holy Spirit, was in the room. And what was odd was that all these Christians were connected to it, but they didn't even know what they were connected to. I could see that. These Christians had no idea, completely oblivious, that they were connected into God in some way. And I was like, these guys, these are weird. I'm gonna, I have to keep coming here to see what's going on. Something's going down here, so I'm gonna keep coming. So I, I kept going. And then eventually I got the gospel message that Jesus died for my sins on a cross, which is what Good Friday is about and how he rose again from the dead. And if I accept, you know, if I repented of my sins and accepted him as my Lord and life, I'm not speaking English, and if I accepted him as my Lord and Savior into my life, that I could be forgiven for all my sins and come into this new life with God. And I remember one night I thought, I'm just gonna practice the prayer. Okay, I had the little like, you know, how to get saved book, so I thought I'm gonna practice it. Anyone ever practice the salvation prayer? Yeah, don't bother, right? So, uh, so I got on my knees and, I, and I, I went through it. I said it all. And then suddenly I had this vision of these, these big arms of a father opening wide and bringing me in, but then behind him were myriads and myriads and myriads of other Christians that were welcoming me in to this faith. And it was just so beautiful. You know, that wasn't bad for a, for a test prayer, right? You know, it was like, when it was gonna be like when I really say it. But when I really said it, it was already a done thing. So, but that, that was my introduction to, to Christianity. So I know that Jesus is real, but I also know that he is powerful. And when I, when I became a Christian, because I'd been dealing with things of darkness, I'd suffered a lot from depression. And uh, I, I would be sat in a room or something, and then you could literally just feel this darkness just come down upon me, descending upon me. And, and there's nothing I could do to control it. You know, it just came on me at random. And it was my depression, not everyone's depression is the same, but my depression was because of my involvement with demonic stuff from before I became a Christian. And it made me want to do some terrible things to myself. And one night I just had enough. Pregnant pause. And I decided that I would end my life to be done with all of this nonsense, uh, this depression. Even though I was a Christian, I was a baby Christian, so I didn't really know a lot. And, um, and so I remember going up to Portsdown Hill, anyone know it? Nice little spot up there. So I went up to there and I found a good place to drive off the edge at night. So it was about 11, half past 10, 11 o'clock at night. I found a good spot to drive off. I went, drove the car up to the roundabout, turned it around and went up uh, as fast as the car would go. It was only like an old 70s minivan, so to be fair, it didn't really go that far. It was like 65.2, 65.3, 65. You know, it was like that sort of thing. And the car was like falling apart. And then I just remember going whoosh off, off the edge of this cliff. And I remember closing my eyes, uh, expecting pain and death. And then this bright light shone inside the car, so bright I could see through, like the, the out, I could see the outline of the car with my closed eyes. And this amazing peace came over me. And then I blacked out. When I came to, the car had crashed on its roof and I was upside down. 
and, uh, and I got out of the car. I was pretty angry because I failed in killing myself. So I was pretty angry. And I heard the voice of God say so clearly to me, he says, you're not dying because you've got work to do. Cheers, God, I've got work to do and I'm trying to kill myself. So I climbed up the hill and I got to the top of the hill and, uh, and, then, and then this white car pulls up. This is in the middle of the night now. So this car, white car pulls up and there was a, a guy in there, old guy with, with white hair and stuff. And he said, do you want a lift? I said, yes, please. So I get in, get in the car, got in the car, sorry. So I got in the car and it was like I went all a bit weird, like, like more so than normal. I, got, I went all, it felt like I was in a bit of a dream state. I didn't, I didn't say anything to him. And uh, he just drove me right to my door and then drove away. And so that was kind of like my introduction to Christianity. So I know, because Jesus came to me personally, that he did rise from the dead. Now you can believe that or not, that's up to you. But I know that the gospel is the power of God to salvation to those who believe. Our God is a mighty God. You see, because of my introduction to Christianity, I'm not, I'm not content with what I call mediocre Christianity. I'm not content with middle of the road sort of stuff. Because why? Because I came from that kind of darkness into this kind of light that my experience, like if it was that bad, then it must be this good. And I'm not going to go here where it's okay. I want, I want this good. If Jesus says, I've got this for you and I've done this for you, then I want to do everything I possibly can to walk in the fullness of what he's done for us. Amen. And what he's got for you. That's what, that's what I want to see. I want to see, and as pastor, I want of us all to come into this, this wonderful thing. Let's go another scripture here, Colossians 2, and I'll wrap it up in a minute. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, this is before you became saved, he has now made you alive together with him, having forgiven you all the trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. What does that mean? Basically, when anyone was executed on a cross, there was a charge written above you of what crimes you'd committed, now, if they'd written down every crime that I'd committed and put me on the cross, it would have been like toilet roll, going just kept rolling down the hill because that's every single wrong, every single wrong thought, every single bad attitude, every time we got offended, every single thing, all of those things were against us. And Jesus nailed it to the cross. And when we believe in him, it's as though we get on the cross with Christ and we're crucified with Christ. And through his resurrection, we now get raised up to new life. And because of his resurrection, he's given us his Holy Spirit. So that, that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in our mortal bodies, giving us life. Hallelujah. Life. Glory. And Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life in abundance, hallelujah. And the word there in the Greek for abundance is super, hyper, over the top, effervescent, complete, absolutely, you can't contain it kind of life. That's the life that Jesus wants us to have. Now that doesn't necessarily mean, that means like you get, oh, everyone here is gonna own a BMW or anything like that, it's, it's beyond that. It's talking about uh, a life that's within, inside of you. You could be the poorest person on earth, but be the richest person on earth. The fact is, you are the richest people on earth, and most of, you don't, most of us don't even realize it, do we? Like, oh, I'm so sad, I'm so depressed. It's like you're the richest person on planet earth. You've got a relationship with the living God. You've got the gospel, you've been entrusted with the message of Christ to take it to the nations because nobody else has that message. Nobody else has what you have. You have got something that nobody else on planet Earth has. You know what? 
And the more I look at this world, the more it just makes me feel ugh, because there's nothing in it. It's all meaningless, it's all pointless, it's all vanity, all of it. Entertainment industry is just to give people something to do in case they get bored, right? And, it's, and it makes a lot of money and we just love to be entertained, entertained, entertained. But what happens when you start to take that away? We watched an interest, I will stop in a minute. We watched this really interesting program when we went away, uh, Trace and I went for a little weekend away about a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we watched this program called The Simpler Life. Did anyone ever watch that? Yeah. So our friend, a friend of mine, she owns the land which it was filmed on. And she told us that it was going to be on, so I've been watching out for it. And basically what they did is they got uh, an Amish couple um, to help run this farm. And loads of people from contemporary society, sort of young and middle-aged and stuff and older, to come to this farm and to work the land. What was interesting was a lot of them suffered from anxiety, sleeplessness, uh, massive self-insecurity, all thanks to uh, one of these, because they're constantly like, what do people think about me? Do, how many likes have I got? All this kind of stuff. Constantly living in fear of, uh, of, of man. And so it was just really interesting that these people, once they'd been on it for like that, uh, how many, 12 weeks? It was only 12 weeks. But by the end of 12 weeks, because they'd disconnected from the nonsense of the world and come back to a much more simpler way of life, their self-esteem went right up. Their insomnia went to normal, so they just had, went to sleep normally. Mind you, if you worked on a farm, you'd probably sleep pretty good too. And, and they, and, but things like their anxiety, their nervousness, all that kind of stuff, completely flatlined as well. What the program didn't tell you was the faith element that the, the Amish people, because they were born again ones, that Amish were bringing to these people. They had church every Sunday and all this kind of stuff. So they were giving them spiritual nourishment as well. And it was just really interesting to see firsthand the nonsense that this world does to people. Being addicted to technology is a terrible thing for us. It's so, so dis destructive for us. But God has given us a much better way, a much better life. So I want you just to go away today thinking and understanding that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have been resurrected with him and you've been raised up with him and you've been seated with him in heavenly places. And where is Jesus sat? At the right hand of the Father. Where are you sat? At the right hand of Jesus alongside the Father. It's an honour, it's a privilege, it's a joy. Hallelujah, glory be to God. Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you that this is the day you rose from the dead. We thank you, Jesus, this is the day of the new creation. We thank you, Jesus, this is the day of new life. Lord, we are forever, ever in your debt and we are forever grateful and thankful for the beauty and the power and the gruesomeness of the cross and the glory and the majesty of the resurrection. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.